We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Aikman is intercepted by Sam Mills. Steve Smith is going to go all the way. Panthers win in overtime. Newton steps up, close to the end zone. Olsen, touchdown! Brian Burns to the house! And it is caught for the touchdown by Moore. And in the foot race, McCaffrey to the end zone. He pounded on three. One, two, three. He pounded Welcome back to the Roar Podcast right here on Blue Wire. John Ellis is my name. We've got a big one coming up today for you. Brian Phillips, who covers the Patriots, is joining Billy Marshall for an extensive one-on-one interview, breaking down the matchups, Mac Jones against Stephon Gilmore. Going to be a fascinating game to watch. That's coming up right here. Billy Marshall, Brian Phillips on Blue Wire. To help us preview our next opponent, the New England Patriots, we are joined by Brian Phillips. Uh, you can find Brian on Twitter at bphillips underscore sb. He writes for Pat's Pulpit, does tremendous work with the Patriots and the NFL in general. So uh, I know a lot of Panthers fans already followed you because you're doing a lot of <laughs> Cam Newton content last year, but you should continue to follow him because the Patriots, in my opinion, are one of the uh, more fascinating teams to always follow in the NFL, not just from a team building perspective, but also just how they uh, they all they operate uh, during the game week. So, Brian, thanks for joining. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Yeah, I, I'm kind of you know I feel like a, like a second son of Charlotte now. You know, <laughs> uh, I, I was I don't know. I'm sure we could probably talk about it a little bit, but like I I was never a huge Cam Newton guy. You know, I I, I kind of fell into the lazy, you know, as a Patriots guy and a Tom Brady guy for so long you fall into the laziness trap of just going with narratives. And, you know, once you have to actually start watching quarterback play with a, you know, really fine tooth comb, the quarterback play that you're, that you're witnessing in front of you, uh, it opens up, you know, your world is opened up. Um, And watching Cam Newton last year changed a lot of things about the way I watch football and about the way I absorb the game. I thought it was really cool. And uh yeah, it made me a pretty polarizing figure in the in the Patriots community, but not so not so much in the Panthers community. The, the Panthers fans, I, I I got some guys that are riding with me, man. They're, they're, yeah, they're, they're riding with me to the end. No, for sure. I mean, you do some really good work, and I think uh, that's always appreciative, no matter where you stand on uh, any individual player. And I, I will say, the Charlotte to Boston pipeline is pretty strong now with Gilmore coming to Carolina. 
And not only just in the NFL, we have the NBA, yeah. still Gordon Hayward and Terry Rozier from Boston too. So I want to mention that, but <laughs> um, let's stick with this Patriots team first and let's go straight to the offense because this is a, uh, a an offense that I feel like is kind of misunderstood in a lot of ways because um, for so many years, like uh, under Brady and whoever was a coordinator, whether it was, um, uh, you know, Charlie Weiss or Bill O'Brien or McDaniels, uh, and I, I just always feel like, you know, this is um, a team that kind of always plays to their players' strengths. And I, I feel like it's no more evident uh, last year, obviously, when they played a very uh, downhill style with running the ball and they used Cam Newton on a lot of different run concepts. But this year they're taking a very similar approach where um, they're leaning heavily on their offensive line, which I feel like is one of the better ones in the NFL and, uh, and a running attack that is not necessarily too, at least to my eye, I don't really see too much like diversity with it. I mean, they're very like straightforward with where, where they want to go. And that's, they want to run downhill with Damian Harris or Brandon Bolden. Um, you know, in years past, they had guys like James White when he was healthy and Burke had guys who can pre- present, um, you know, a, a threat in the passing game. But so let's just stick with that, with this offense, as far as like what you're seeing just from a schematic standpoint, because they are 20th right now in EPA per play, which is, you know, pretty fair, I guess, for, you know, kind of what the, the direction of what where their offense is. But, uh, I mean, what have you seen just over time and what you're seeing in 2021, which is like the evolution of like this offense? Yeah, I mean, it's a, a huge work in progress, obviously. Anytime you have a rookie quarterback, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, um, you know, it's... <laughs> It is funny. You brought up how their offense was run last year based on their personnel. And yeah, the running game was extremely diverse last year. Um, I mean, it varied week, week to week based on who they were playing, but you know, uh, you know, a ton of gap scheme stuff against Miami in week one. And then later in the year, they were, uh, they were heavy zone. And then like they, they would bust out like the down G stuff and, and, uh, and obviously when you have Cam Newton, that helps diversify your running game as well. You can open up the portfolio a little bit, but, um, but this year you're, you're right. I mean, it's, it's a ton of duo. It's a ton of, um, it's a ton of, of clean, easy gap stuff. Uh, when, you know, w- when you've got a, kind of a revolving door with the injuries and the COVID and, and everything going on with that offensive line this year, they've kept that a little simple and, you know, you want to keep it simple for Mac. Um, seems like the, the, some of the times they've gotten into trouble is when they've gotten a little too cute with their play action, um, you know, and, and trying to do, you know, running trap pass and, and, and kind of getting protections with pullers and things like that on play action. They, when you've got replacement level guys coming in and filling in for your starters all, all year long, you're going to run into problems. So they've, they've kept things really pretty simple. And it hasn't been until really the last couple of weeks uh, that we've seen them kind of kind of uh, kind of open up a little bit as far as um the leash is off of mac just a tad just a tad bit but i think the farther we get into this season the more the more diversity we'll end up seeing now i say that and they have like like 20 double passes and halfback passes and stupid trick plays they've gone like too far into the well like in that direction to try to like drum up some offense when the the answer and the solution all along has just been you know let mac cook a little bit more but uh, I think uh, it's. I, I don't know how much we'll see them opening it up this weekend because uh, I know we're going to talk about that that defense down in, uh, down in Charlotte. But uh, that has been pretty much where we're at. We're kind of watching the process of Mac 
learning more of the offense and more of the playbook being opened up to him. We're watching that process unfold right now. Yeah, for sure. And and, and with Mac, I think it's, um, I mean, I mean, clearly he's been the more consistent rookie quarterback. And I always, you know, John and I, we had this conversation on Monday after, or actually yesterday when we did a recap show. And it's, and it's interesting because, you know, a lot of people, they have their priors and that's just how the draft works. People have their priors with rookie quarterbacks in particular. Uh, and, you know, the draft media and just the draft cycle, it's opened up a lot of avenues for people uh, on Twitter to really make their point. And I think the consensus was that, you know, Mac Jones is a high floor, maybe low ceiling prospect. And he certainly played like, um, you know, a guy capable of being a very good NFL quarterback. Now, how high that ceiling is, I'm not sure. I don't think anyone really knows. But when you look at it, he's doing everything you kind of want him to do within the structure of the offense. And I think like it's not necessarily you're asking him to uh, create off structure like a Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes necessarily, but you're he, you want him to play within um, you know the boundaries of what he's seeing. And I think I don't think it's any more evident than just some of the concepts they're running. They're doing a lot of play action and utilizing the tight ends. I thought they've done that better over the past couple of weeks, but also they're uh, doing a good job of, uh, you know, these over routes that, that you saw, I think it was one of his first passes last week against the chargers where he went play action, did a nice job of stepping up in the pocket and really targeting. Um, I think it was uh, born or Aguilar uh, on that deep over route, but uh, probably Ag- yeah. Aguilar. Yeah. yeah, it was Aguilar. But, and, and, and that's the thing, like, I, I thought he was a fine prospect. I obviously I had, um, I thought the other four quarterbacks should have gone ahead of him and they did. Uh, but I even last year, I was praising just the way he operates, like his pocket mobility, which is a thing that Brady was so good at. And I thought he was really good at it in Alabama, too. So uh, to me, he just looks like a solid to good NFL quarterback. And discussing his ceiling is always tough because you just don't know how some of these players are eventually going to age. Uh, so I guess, like, l- let me just get your initial thoughts on, you know, Mac's uh, performance this year and kind of where you see him heading in the future. Yeah, I mean, uh, my priors were, you know, hey, let's get Justin Fields, <laughs> you know, um, but you're right. I mean, there's a reason he was the fifth quarterback taken. Uh, he checks a ton of boxes and he checks more Patriots boxes than he probably does other teams boxes. Um, the Patriots have made it known they honestly don't care a ton about the things that are and what quote unquote imp- or that are you know important to quarterback play in today's NFL. Um, and the, on one hand, it's, it's been super impressive how quickly he's gotten up to the speed that he's at right now, where you can, where we are, we are watching him kind of improve weekly with processing and timing. And there are, you know, there are moments of regression, of course, uh, as he sees new concepts and new things or just, uh, you know, and with variants, but it's really important, I think, for people to keep in mind that he's doing all the things we know he could do. These are the things we know. This is what we knew he was going to be good at. And that were the most easily uh, the easiest things for him to transfer to the pro game. Um, The accuracy, uh, the quick, the the quick release um, uh, to an extent, the processing uh, he's learning the speed of the NFL game. He's learning what he can and can't do his pocket in pocket mobility has been pretty good at times. There's been times he's run into some sacks. I mean, there's just, 
when the game's moving as fast as it's got to be moving for him right now, you know, it's got to be, uh, you know, you can't do the things that you, that you, you know, think you, you that you could have done, you know, 12 months ago. But um, my question for him is for, for the Mac supporters and people love, you know, he's, be, he's become a hometown favorite really quickly because his game is of the style of a guy who played here for a while. Um, and, and Patriots fans have endeared themselves to that style. My question to them is, what do you, I mean, what, what is he, what could he possibly do beyond what he's doing right now that will push and propel this offense? Because the, the, the understanding is, you know, amongst these Mac Jones fans here in the fan base is he's going to be somewhat of a next the next Tom Brady type and they are so rare and few and far between that I wonder how close we already are to his ceiling so um you know I just don't know how much better he can he can get it, it would have to be a physical improvement in my eyes for him to 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 you know go farther than what I personally feel his ceiling is yeah for sure and I brought this comparison up on yesterday's show and that's and don't take it the wrong way, but Andy Dalton was a successful NFL quarterback for five years. I know he's he's become kind of like a walking meme the past, you know, couple of years. I'm choosing to take this the wrong. I'm going to choose to take this the wrong way. Damn it. <laughs> no, but like the, the the Bengals, they made the playoffs for five straight years and 2015, and I think it was even 14 too. They were one of the best offenses in the NFL, and certainly um, he was aided by the fact that he had really talented skill players and a good offensive line and. Uh, you know, Jay Gruden and for all the jokes about Hugh Jackson, he did have put together a pretty decent um, offense around Dalton. And, and I, I don't necessarily think it's going to be, I, I think Mac has a much higher ceiling than Dalton and will probably turn out to be a better quarterback. But I, I think that's just kind of like, um, you know, the trajectory I'm seeing him. I'm not necessarily seeing like a, uh, like a Russell Wilson or Andrew Luck went out of came out of the gates and made a Super Bowl or not Super Bowl the playoffs immediately like maybe it is like a like a Matt Ryan and and that's not a bad thing I mean Matt Ryan is we just didn't have a great game last week but he's still like 37 years old and playing at a high level and right but but again like the Matt Ryan types are very rare because like I made this point and that's um, you know, Ryan can get away with not having a very strong arm. He, he's done it in just it's like very, uh, such a unique way. And he, again, was aided by some very good skill players in Atlanta over his time. Uh, but at the same time, uh, you know, the way he processes and plays is, is not, it's very just unique and you don't see it often. And if Mac follows that trend, then I think he's in a good spot. And, and so I don't necessarily take it as a, as a negative at all. I think that Jones will continue to kind of elevate this offense in certain ways. And uh, my biggest question for this offense is, do you feel like the structure of the offense can be more aggressive? I guess, if that makes sense, can, can Josh, because, because we saw it in 2000, you know, the Brady's last year too, where they weren't necessarily a good offense, but they're winning those games to start out like, like 10 and 0 or something before they lost to Baltimore. And, I, but I was still like what I was watching. I, I really wasn't, I didn't care too much about it. Do you feel like that's just like a personnel thing? Like they don't necessarily have the guys on the outside to, um, you know, like elevate this offense. Or do you just think like, that's like a play calling thing where they're just being too cautious in their approach? 
Oh, they're they're 100% still looking for the personnel. So it started in 2019 when they signed Antonio Brown and they brought him in that one week and they went down to Miami in week two and yep, good blew point. the doors yeah blew the doors off them that day. And I was feeling things. I was I was I was in my bag on Twitter. I was excited. Uh, and then, you know, Antonio Brown stuff came out and you had to move on. And then you trade a second round pick for Mohamed Sanu and that doesn't work out. And then you're constantly, you know, you're, you know, what are we doing here? And then Tom leaves because, you know, you, you never found a way to fill the Gronk void. You never found a way, uh, you know, Julian Edelman lost, you know, his health went downhill pretty quickly. And then, then boom, you're, you have no more go-to guys on offense. So they go out last year, they finally have some cap room again after cap, after Cam leaves where the, last year's receiving core was a joke. Um, and then, you know, Cam, you know, Cam's on the roster, obviously this summer, they go out, they get Nelson Aguilar, give him a pretty, you know, $11 million a year, Kendrick Bourne, who's been my favorite guy so far. And then they give $50 million to, to, to Johnny Smith and another 40 something to, to Hunter Henry. And they still are lacking team speed. You know, they mm -hmm. still need a burner, you know, uh, Nelson Aguilar is the closest thing they have really to, to a guy that can hurt you deep. Um, but Jacoby Myers and Kendrick Bourne aren't aren't taking tops off at defenses. You know they're not they're not hurting anybody. They're they're not striking fear in anybody. So they, they're still you know. And when you miss on a Nikhil Harry selection instead of going with a Debo Samuel or you know or an AJ Brown or something like that, uh, then it's going to hurt you. And and it has. Yeah, for sure. And if the ways they're currently attacking, you know, the field that again, like I said earlier, they do a lot of play action, but. I mean, what are you noticing as far as you know, how they're incorporating like pre-snap motion into their offense? I mean, it seems like it would be a natural thing for them to do because, I mean, they are pretty smart, at least to my eye, and they uh, do run the ball a lot. Uh, do you think they just create natural like windows for Mac uh, when, when they do incorporate play action plus pre-snap motion into their offense? Yeah, for sure. You're seeing a lot of it too. They they like and and what the tight ends, you know, Johnu and Hunter Henry allow them to do is get these big personnel formation uh, personnel packages, get into different formations, get Johnu Smith kind of all over the place. And you've got a lot of the jet, you know, the jet sweeps and and, and things uh, that they can tag on to stuff. Um, and and they are keeping it a little, you know, a little simpler for Mac. But he's he's so good at those, um, you know, hitting a swing pass. You know, the, you know when you've got the uh, when you've got the Sam coming, on, you know, on a blitz to hit that that little swing route to the to the running back in stride. All those little accuracy passes are where he excels. So we're seeing a lot of good stuff there. But um, the the motion for sure. And the, but where I'd like to see it is is to to start getting into that into that deep um, into that deep intermediate portion uh because mac is i mean he's a great deep ball thrower but uh they've they've still got to do a better job of manufacturing guys uh, to get open and get some more numbers mismatches and stuff that you can do with uh with that pre-snap motion so you know going into this game as you see it what do you feel like is like how, how do you think new england's going to approach it knowing that carolina has a pretty um you know feisty pass rush to like to bring some exotic pressures here and there and uh, you know, I think it all starts at the line of scrimmage, but, you know, they are getting healthy, too, at the, the linebacker and secondary level. Um, you know, what do you feel like is going to be the key for them to just maintain, you know, consistency on third downs and just continue to turn the ball? Because while, you know, they might have opportunities to go downfield, like you just said, on the deep balls where Mac is particularly good at, um, th this to me feels like a game where they're just going to have to be a, might be a little more patient in their approach. Yeah. 
Yeah, for like, for like right off the bat, I hate the matchup for New England. I really, I hate it um, because uh, everyone's hot and bothered right now about how great Mike Onwen is looking at right tackle, but that just means that 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 Ted Karras is at left guard, and yes, he's played pretty well, um, but against better competition, he's really not played pretty well. Like 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 Vita Vea, as he does with everybody, just embarrassed him, and 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 that's the kind of stuff. That's the kind of production you can get. Like I'm I'm not excited to watch Derek Brown against Ted Karras. I'm just, this is not, it's not a matchup that I feel all, all great about. Um, <laughs> but I think that Josh McDaniels is looking at the personnel right now and he's, and he's, he's thinking, well, I think the best way to move this football is to, to basically the same game plan we saw last week against, against uh, the chargers, not to say that the personnel is the same, but they need, I think we're going to see a ton of duo, a ton, a t- just a ton of ground and pound with the play action stuff. And for the love of God, stay away from Stefan Gilmore. He is going to be, he's going to, he's going to be like running around the field. Like what, what is that? Uh, the Nicholas Cage movie where he's the skeleton with the hair. That's like the head that's on fire and the riding the motorcycle. That's going to be <laughs> Stefan Gilmore this weekend. I forget what the, I don't know what movie it is, but that's going to be Stefan Gilmore this weekend. I, I just, it's a bad matchup. I, I don't like, the, the communication there are some miscommunication issues on this Patriots offensive line and with their running backs and pass pro and with a rookie quarterback with all those exotic pressures and looks that you were talking about. I don't, I, I don't like it. I don't think Josh McDaniels is going to like it. I think they're going to want to stay super conservative, but it's going to drive me crazy. Yeah. Well, I, I'm just reading uh, some comments here from uh, the presser. It looks like Gilmore is actually, uh, you know, he, pretty amped about this game he said he didn't like the way the Patriots handled his injury situation and wasn't ready to start oh, great. um I, mean, I don't know like Gilmore just seems like a very like quiet and reserved personality so it's it's very interesting when I guess um you know an organization kind of handles him uh or just does him wrong I guess because I felt like he was uh, sort of similarly reserved in Buffalo during his uh, final couple years before he went to New England too so uh, it's always interesting. Yeah, he's got a little. He's got a little bit of an edgy streak, but like it's, it's. I think it's uh, more. It's come from the process of him becoming, you know, at one point probably the, you know, the best corner in football for a little while there. Uh, you know, obviously Jalen Ramsey would have something to say about that, but to be, you know, to you know, in that 2017 range, 2018, he was he was arguably the best defense. I mean, he was the defensive player of the year. I think that confidence has shown up. And then for him, for, for everything to kind of happen the way it did, uh, yeah, I'd be pissed off too. And I am, yeah, I'd be, I, I would not be looking his way a single time this weekend. I don't care. I, I don't care who he's covering. Stay away from Stephon Gilmore. Yeah, no, he played uh, really well against Kyle Pitts in the limited. He only played like 17 or 18 snaps, but I feel like it's uh, they're being a little cautious. So I expect yeah. him to play a lot more this week. But, you know, an area that you mentioned earlier is this offensive line. And and how has this kind of transition been since uh, Scarnac- Dante Scarnacchia, who is, you know, one of the more renowned offensive line coaches? He's He moved on a couple of years ago, but you know, to me, they, they still have a decent amount of talent there. And I know Trent Brown is probably not going to be healthy this week, but um, I mean, what are you seeing from this unit, you know, as far as like their ability just to control the line of scrimmage, um, you know, particularly in, in the running game and passing game? Yeah, it's, they've had their starting offensive line for eight snaps this year. And, and it's with every team, right? Every team's gone, gone through this. 
But Trent Brown going out after two series um, hurt because then you've got uh, it was a revolving door right tackle. Isaiah Wynn uh, had a couple of bad games uh, at left tackle. And of course, the narrative is never it's never as bad as people think it is because, you know, people see sacks and they get on Twitter and say this offensive line's a nightmare, blah, blah, blah. But when you turn on the tape and you watch, they're actually pretty good, especially in the interior. Um, but Wynn and Mason and Anwenu all being out with COVID at one point, you know, you had that, that's going to create create some issues. So you've got, you know, they were down to, you know, starter David Andrews was the only starter available in Houston a few weeks ago. Oh, wow. I remember that game actually. Um, well, I remember it was a close on when it was right tackle. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then um, yeah, you've got on when at right tackle now, and Ted Karras comes in at left guard, and they they like this mix that they've got. But it's uh, it's 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 tough when you've got Ted Karras getting public notoriety for how well he's played, but you know, like I said, the only the only decent play the only only decent uh games he's had are are against uh some more limited personnel anytime he's been tested it's it's been an issue over the last couple of years um they've you know when you lose a guy like joe tooney to free agency you know you're gonna have you're gonna have kind of problems plugging those gaps but mike on wenu i'm telling you this guy is like a superstar and playing right tackle the way he is right now it's great but the ultimate goal for this line is to get him back at left guard get that guard of Onwenu or that trio of Onwenu, Andrews and Mason in the middle with Trent Brown at right tackle. And then like you're, go- you're golden, but uh, Mike Onwenu is going to be a dude in this league for a long time. And uh, I, 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 he's like my favorite guy to watch. He's like must see television for me right now. Yeah, no, I liked him a lot coming out of Michigan. I mean, he, he's kind of built in that big 10 kind of way where he's just like a road grader and he's, you know, very technical and he just kind of, um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's really good. I, I'm not surprised to see him doing well. You know, before we close out with the offense, I kind of want to get your input on, you mentioned the conservativeness of this offense and th- their approach. Do you think that comes down from uh, the head coach or is that just like a, is that potentially like a Josh McDaniels thing? Because, you know, we're seeing it now with some of these other like, you know, quotation mark defensive coaches in the league, like particularly in Minnesota and now in Carolina where, you know, Zimmer has, you know, the fortune of having three great pass catchers and a very good running back, but he still likes to run the ball quite a bit. And we saw Carolina last week just go crazy run because, uh, well, that's probably for different reasons, but it, it's, it still permeates down from the head coach to the offensive coordinator. Um, is that something that's also happening in New England or is it just kind of just Josh McDaniels' DNA maybe? Man, I... Oh, I, I'm trying not to get too hot about this one. It, this team drives me crazy because, it, and it really started happening noticeably in 2019 when we were talking about how they had that hot start and then they lose to Baltimore. And then from that, from there it goes downhill and it seemed like it went downhill like sharply. Now, Aaron Schatz from football outsiders, you know, has data that goes back to 2011 showing how conservative Bill Belichick has been. But, uh, Really, since you know, since they have determined that they their skilled players don't allow them to move the ball at the efficiency that they want, they want to, they have gone into a shell. And it, that 2019 defense was one of the best defenses of all time. It experienced some regression as we went deeper into the season too. But uh, you know, they they really love leaning on their defense, and they don't care about, about what anybody thinks about 
taking a knee with a timeout in the bag and a minute and a half against Dak Prescott at home. You know, like they don't, they don't care. They just do the, they, they do these things. They'll, they'll just let, you know, give possessions away, punt the ball to Tom Brady and overtime when you have them on the ropes on a fourth and three, things like this ridiculous head scratching things, but they, it's, it's like this old school mentality that they just, they, they want to trust their defense, which, you know, again, I would argue what could possibly be put more trust in your defense than to go for it on fourth and three and not punt the ball to Tom Brady. Thank but, you for saying that. Oh my God. You know, it just, it, it drives me off the wall. I mean, we're talking about a, a probably a, a one and a half wins left on the field this year when you're kicking a 56 yard field goal, um, you know, against, uh, I, I think I got my games mixed up because there's been so many instances you, you kick a 56 yard field goal on fourth and four in the rain against Tom Brady. And then you, you get, you punt the ball to Dak Prescott and overtime, uh, and then immediately get beat just it, like really, really fast, get beat. Um, these things, it, it just drives me up the wall, but I, I think it's clearly coming from Bill and it's, it's a determination at the beginning of the week saying, Hey, this is our personnel. We're not moving the ball that effectively. And boom, we're going to be, we're going to trust our defense. And that's what they do. It's, it's weird. No, I get it. And I think that's, you know, a very similar approach to some of these other teams that are led by defensive coaches uh, too. And I just kind of want to get a, your perspective on it because um it's not necessarily just about analytics. It's just about kind of just smart kind of forward thinking NFL football in 2021. Right. It's like human psychology. It's like, it's just loss aversion. Like you're scared to lose. Like you, you, the, 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 the impact of a loss being five times more, you know, impactful to your psyche than, than a win. It's like, just go for it. And you know, if you ask Josh McDaniel, you ask any offensive guy, they're going to be like, yeah, let's go fourth and three let's do it let's go come on we can do this <laughs> and, you know it's gotta it's gotta be coming from up top on these 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 game management decisions so ugh. well and, and let's stick with the game management here is how does it work on game days is this is this just like a belichick operation or does he have someone else in his ear kind of you know up in the booth like helping him with analytic decisions um I know clock management, and I mean, he, he's done some brilliant things in the past. I think it was a game a while ago. I think he was playing like the Broncos where he took like that intentional safety to get the ball back. I mean, that was just like one of the most brilliant things I've ever seen. And mm-hmm. I think Mike Shanahan, right. at, Shanahan at the time who was coaching them, he kind of remarked that, oh, wow, he really got me. He kind of realized it. Um, but like, I don't know, like I, I still feel like in some ways they're very like, I know Belichick, whenever he speaks publicly, likes to poke fun at analytics or whatever, but he, I mean, he had Ernie Adams for so many years and he's obviously retired now. Uh, how is that kind of going um, with the team in 2021? I'm sure they have to have somebody kind of assisting him on these uh, decisions, or is it just like, you know, a one-man operation? Uh, when it comes to the decision, like I, I, I would, I don't have intimate knowledge of this, but it's, it's, what it appears to be is, and I, Bill pretty basically got right up as far as as close as he's going to be to actually telling us the process. But like, there is no percentage. Like, hey, Bill, we're at a percentage here. I think it's just you know the guys that are in his ear are replay. Got you know the stuff that Ernie Adams would do would be the replay stuff, um, the uh, the personnel package stuff where you know he'll pipe up anytime they had a, an advantage on a personnel grouping that was coming in on and off the field that he could get a better bird's eye view, and then um, rules, rule stuff, um, 
all, all of these things. Um, but when it comes down to the actual decision uh, on a fourth down or a field goal or a punt, um, it's all Bill. It's it's just what Bill feels like. Uh, and I, I don't mean to sound flippant, but like it's what it's Bill's gut and, you know, Bill's, you know, sticking to his plan and what he felt the game flow was. And it just so happens that Bill's gut is one of the more conservative guts in all of football over the last five years. Um, which, you know, it's just, I, I, how are you going to tell a guy with, with, with eight rings yeah. that he doesn't know what he's talking about, you know? And it's just like, we know, we know so much more about probabilities now and all this other stuff. And sure, there was a lot of flaws in the model, but you know, right. this guy's, this, this dog, this dog isn't learning a new trick here, you know? No, for, for sure. And, and that's probably going to bring us to the defense here. I mean, Matt rules sort of. I mean, this year, especially last year, he was much more aggressive on fourth down and, and um, curious to know why he's less aggressive this year. But the conventional wisdom from people who you know, defend some of his fourth down decisions is, oh, we have to trust a defense in that situation. But I'm just like, you know, if you're going for it on fourth and three from your own 48 or 49 or in that range, like, isn't it, aren't you putting more trust in the defense in a situation where you don't get it and you have to put them on the field to hold them? Uh, as opposed right. to just giving them like 90 yards to defend, that seems like, you know, I mean, the logic just doesn't, didn't really resonate with me, but that's always the conventional like thinking is you punt it deep to, to trust your defense. And I don't know, it, it's, it's never really made too much sense, but. Well, and the, even with, with, with teams that are like soup, like they're seriously into their ground games, you know, like, like the Patriots are and like the Panthers are right now where they're, they're really, that's their favorite way to move the ball. And that's the way they feel that they're most effective in running the ball. If you're looking at a fourth and three or a fourth and four, that means you were probably, that means you were looking at a third and four or a third and three. And if you weren't running the ball, if you, if you go into a situation with a four down mentality and knowing like, okay, once we cross midfield here, or once we cross the 45 here, we're going to be in four down territory because it's late in the game. You know, if we, you know, we're going to be in four down mode if we're, you know, fourth and five or less. If you go into the drive with that mode, then you can run that football on third and four. You know, you can get you can get into the parts of the playbook. You, your whole playbook is opened up, and you know, especially with like Mac Jones, like when when you're punting on a fourth and three to to Dak Prescott after Mac Jones, you know, completed like 18 of 20 something passes. You know, completed 15 passes in a row. He's great at the quick game. And and you love running the football, and you're doing it effectively against a beat up Dallas front. You know, the, your whole playbook is opened up if you just have a little bit of aggressiveness in your mentality. And it's like it, it, how that doesn't tickle Bill Belichick's brain to me. Like, I, I don't get how he doesn't just simply see that and how Matt Rule and how these guys don't simply say, oh, that look at look at the options that are presented when we just think a little bit more aggressively. Yeah, I mean, rule to his credit against the Giants, even though the game went spectacularly um, awful for them, he did say, I came in here to, um, you know, get 10 yards and four downs. So I thought that was a little more encouraging, but yeah, you know, it, it's better than, it. yeah, yeah, it's better than, you know, the, some of the generic answers that, I mean, it's not like some in the media weren't really asking him or grilling him about that. It's just, uh, you, you know, and the funny thing is like when someone, uh, did ask him about some conservative fourth down decisions he made last year. He decided to become much more aggressive in his approach because like it was crazy against the chiefs. They, I think they went for it like on fourth down and like 
you know, their own territory like multiple times, especially like inside the 35. So I, I don't know. It's 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 always just a you know a, a very complex. It's not a complex situation. It's just trying to make it easier on yourself. I mean, try to use ten, you know, four downs to get ten yards. It just that seems like a more prudent approach. But uh, right. hey. I think we're both like we're not like both like super huge analytics guys, but like you know, it, and there are a lot of faults with the analytics stuff. But I mean, it's right. There it seems like the answer is it's oftentimes just right there. And and maybe it's the fan in us that wants to see more like, you know, oh, come on, let's go for it. Let's, you know, and maybe, you know, maybe it's just us growing up with Madden or something, you know, but like we, we, you know, why not be aggressive? I guess. Yeah. And I'm not even, I'm not even asking them to be as aggressive as like a Baltimore or LA Chargers. Right. I'm, I'm not even asking for that. I'm just saying like, especially like when you're on, when you're in your own territory and when you have a chance to put the game away, like you know, fourth and three, fourth and four, like just, you know, try to at least switch it up instead of punting or, you know, especially because Carolina's punting situation, which we'll get to the special teams here later. It's been a little hit or miss because they've been, their starting punter has been out injured, but I'm not, again, I'm, I, I totally understand that sometimes your offensive line is not doing well in certain aspects, especially short yardage situations. And um, there's just other factors that are involved. Like I'm again, if you don't go on four on fourth down every fourth and one, every single time, like I will not be upset. I really won't. I, I just feel like you, you know, some teams are just becoming, especially Carolina uh, early in the year, they were just being way too conservative and, you know, it has changed uh, the past couple of weeks, but I remain very skeptical that it's a, uh, that it will change for the long term. But uh, let's just go to your defense now. I mean, this is kind of where the team essentially, uh, I mean, they're 12th in EPA per play, which I think is uh, pretty respectable. I mean, they have a, um, a pretty good pass defense. It's, it's, they've built their defense. I mean, you can kind of maybe give a breakdown on how they've built their defense as far as their philosophy on uh, you know, investing in corners uh, and secondary guys versus, you know, inside. But I mean, it just seems like they have a bunch of collection of, I mean, the collection of talent that they have seems to complement, you know, a Belichick defense very well. Uh, it just, um, well, let me just get your thoughts on like what their team building approach is because we're seeing Carolina and, you know, teams like Baltimore take the approach of, you know, really going after guys in the secondary. Uh, what, have you kind of been able to learn about new England's approach? Is it more just complimentary um, as far as picking up guys like a Judon and uh, some of their other reliable guys that they've always had in the secondary, or are they kind of also taking, um, you know, the philosophy that, you know, we're going to have to build our secondary first before we can really go invest in, in the trenches. Yeah. Bill always wants the shutdown guy. Um, so like, that's always in the back of his mind. Who, who's my, who's my go-to guy who can, who can I use to eliminate somebody on the other side of the ball? And for years, that's been Stefan Gilmore, Asante Samuel, Ty Law, these guys, um, Malcolm Butler for a, for a little bit there. Um, literally nobody from before Malcolm Butler to like <laughs> to Ty Law or to Asante Samuel, like the Asante Samuel to Malcolm Butler gap there was, uh, was pretty big. And then Akib Tlaib, you know, the, these guys that would come in, he always wants to have that guy. And right now I, it's clear that he feels that JC Jackson can be that guy. So at least for now, um, which has to be the reason behind the Stephon Gil- Gilmore issue and, and, and the trade. Um, but they, he wants to have that guy that can eliminate somebody on the other side of the ball. 
and he wants guys that can do lots of things, which he has right now. He's got Kyle Duggar, uh, the second round pick from last year, uh, out of Lenore Ryan, um, who's the, he was their first pick after they traded back in the draft, and he's a stud. Um, his coverage skills have gotten a lot better. Um, well, I see PFF has him ranked 56th out of 86 safeties. That's interesting, but um, yeah, because he's been he's been really good. Uh, he is, you'll, you'll see him on Sunday. You'll see him in the box. You'll see him deep. You'll see him in the overhang, the apex position. You'll see him all over the place. Uh, a big fast dude, um, which is always good to have. Um, and then, yeah, you brought up Judon. Judon's been a, a nightmare for any, anybody, anybody going up against Matt Judon right now. He's got the red sleeves, you know, the red sleeves are awesome. Um, just, I, I don't know how scientifically it, it works, but it's the aesthetic is glorious and he is just wrecking people. Um, and thank God, because they, they've needed it. Him and Christian Barmore, the rookie out of Alabama, have provided a, a really good pass rush and he's allowed them um, to play a little more zone this year. They're not. So obviously, when you get rid of a Stefan Gilmore, you got to get a little more zone heavy than man heavy because, you, you know, you're not going to be locking guys down as tight. And uh, that's what we've seen this year. They've had some sporadic, you know, some hiccups, you know, it's a couple of big plays from Davis Mills, probably adding to that EPA per play figure. But um, when they need a play, this defense is winning them games right now. The games that they've won have been because of the defense, not the offense. And uh, Matt Judon uh, is, a, is a huge part of that. Panthers fans, football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet for Panthers tickets anymore, because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? Well, if you can find better prices for the same seats on another site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. Look, there's storylines all over the place for the Panthers this year at Bank of America Stadium. The defense playing lights out. Be there to see it all. Visit TickPick.com Roar today and use the promo code Roar to save $10 on your first order of Panthers tickets. That's TickPick.com Roar, promo code Roar. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm very worried about you know, how Carolina's going to be able to stop him because he just seems. I mean, I loved him in Baltimore to be to begin with, and I mean, this guy is a you know just a menace. I mean, he he has you know an ability to set a very hard edge and really disrupt the run game, and um, uh, we'll see what Christian McCaffrey's status will be. But if he's even in the event that he is healthy and plays. You know, with Hubbard, they like to run a lot of outside uh, running concepts, whether they're pin and pulls or outside zone, um, uh, because he's more comfortable running out. He's not very patient at the line of scrimmage to let blocks develop in a duo scheme or gap scheme that you might see other uh, backs. And, and so he's very he's just much better at just reading something uh, on the perimeter and really hitting the hole. And uh, but if you have like an edge defender like Judon, who does a very particularly good job at setting a very hard edge and allowing uh, you know, the linebackers to fill, then that makes your life much more difficult. And I just feel like their linebacking core is particularly suited to stop the run with uh, Hightower and, and Bentley. And uh, I mean, the, obviously, you know, the outside linebackers too are pretty good. And I don't, I don't know, like kind of which ones are necessarily playing like an off ball role or, 
but like right, a Van they're, so, like, they're, they're, they're all over the place, like all the time. Yeah. Exactly. Like, they're kind like, of always in different spots. Yeah, for sure. Like Uche, obviously he he's primarily a pass rusher. Same with, uh, I mean, I don't know if is Winovich healthy. He is on IR now, but like, you'll oh, see, wow, like okay. so the early down, yeah, the early down stuff, like it'll just be all of these guys kind of just rotating around a core of early down guys where you'll see like just two, like you'll see like Davin, uh, Devon Godshaw and like Larry Guy in the middle. And then just like a whole mess of linebackers kind of flowing all over the place before the snap kind of, you know, it's just, it's a jumbled mess. Technically it's gap, it's, you know, it should be gap sound, but who, who really knows? And they're they're just winning at points of attack with 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 their two gappers and uh they've been a little iffy against the run but that's not not something you're super concerned about but against the outside zone stuff like you said look with with uh with hubbard um when you got yeah you got judon setting that edge hard um and and forcing that 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 uh that outside edge back there's going to be a lot of funneling him back into the high towers and the and the bentleys and the van noise for sure and I guess the biggest thing with this game is Carolina does like to implement a lot of play action into their um, offense. And I don't know what it is about the Patriots, but they've never necessarily like, I mean, as good as like a high tower is and Bentley too. Um, I mean, they aren't necessarily like your Fred Warner, Eric Kendrick type linebackers. And obviously I, I totally get that those guys are much more rare, um, but as just as far as being able to uh, their coverage in particular, like how able they're able to kind of play both the run and pass. And, you know, obviously I understand that there's, you know, different coverage assignments uh, that go into it. A lot of, like you said, pattern matching and, and, and playing within the zone structure of the defense. And what have you seen from the linebackers in coverage? And do you feel like that's an area that um, they've been playing at a, about an acceptable level in, or is this an area that's still a little bit of a uh, concern? Yeah, I mean, uh, Hightower, he, he's been better of late, um, but you want to get him into a pass scenario right now because uh, he's it's not he's not the Hightower of 2012 or 2014, you know, where he could, you know, he was that even at 270, he was running with everybody um, back then. But uh, so he's, he's not there anymore, obviously. Um, Bentley is a little bit better than advertised um, in that department. But uh, what's going to be tough for Carolina to do, in my opinion, is get the matchups that they want with those guys, because that means they're going to have to bring in the 12 personnel. I know they, I, I was watching the giants game just a little bit ago. Um, and I, I noticed at least in the first half, a ton of like tight end twins, 12 personnel, single back stuff. And the Patriots are going to match with nickel all day long on that. Like they, like they're going to say, come on, come, come, come at us, you know, win, win with the ground game first. And then we'll talk about maybe going base. They'll, they'll drop Duggar in the box and, uh, and bring in, or Adrian Phillips uh, safety, dropping, dropping him in the box um, and keep those guys down, uh, down so, so that you're not exposing your Dante Hightowers and your Kyle Van Noyes as much. Um, uh, if you could force, if you can force New England into base and find a way to get to, to get those matchups, then that means you're already winning on the ground. Yeah, for sure. And I think I, I don't know that that Giants game was just such a pathetic performance that I honestly like. I, I would say it's an anomaly. <laughs> I would say it's an anomaly, but like the previous couple of weeks outside of that drive at the end against Minnesota, like they they've just haven't been playing well and i think it just comes down to a lot of you know our listeners know this just i feel like 
the passing game and led by the quarterback, it's, you know, it has been good enough. Now, last week, they faced a very mediocre to poor defense, in my opinion. And, um, but they still were very conservative, not only just in their, uh, I mean, certainly like the run pass, like ratio was completely like out of whack because they ran the ball so much. And, but even like their pass concepts, I just asked him to like, you know, one or two reads and he throw it away. And a few of them were good play action concepts that he actually threw a ball well, um, but they were just very cautious in their approach. A lot of screens too. And I don't think that's going to be able to fly because you have two linebackers who are very good near the line of scrimmage and you have a safety again, who's playing very well, uh, dropping down to the box. I mean, that's essentially how they beat the Chargers is because of miscommunication between you know, Herbert and his tight end. It was a pick six just like that, which, I mean, it looked a little fluky, but I was listening to Herbert and Staley's kind of response, and they just said, yeah, it was miscommunication. It wasn't – I mean, they wouldn't go further into what the route was. But this defense does a very good job of disguising and – making it very challenging for offenses and this offense in particular uh, they have had their moments. And I think the saints game was probably the pinnacle of where they're ever going to reach. And as weird as it is, I'm not necessarily confident that they'll be able to replicate that performance. I think it's going to have to be, I don't know, like it's going to be very tough. I mean, the Patriots, yeah. they've owned Sam Darnold. So for Carolina, I think like a guy like PJ Walker, who I, I know like a lot of the noise in the outside, people might think he's the answer, but he's probably not. I mean, he's like a backup for a reason. He's very um, right. He's, he's backing up Sam Darnold right now. Exactly. And he didn't play well in the preseason with, I mean, his accuracy is very sporadic. He doesn't really have like a, um, he just throws it at one speed it's like coming in 90 miles per hour each time and he doesn't have a good arm don't get me wrong uh but he just has to play with a little more touch and you know the other thing about him is he knows where to go with the ball too so it's not like he's uh gonna be an issue as far as processing and maybe it's not the level that you want but um his processing is fine it's just about maybe they it just gives new england a little more to think about when you add in the uh, the quarterback run element. I'm not saying that's going to make a huge difference because PJ Walker as mobile and as quick as he is, he's not Lamar Jackson or um, Kyler Murray, a guy who really kind of leverages his um, legs to make a huge difference. So no, I, I or totally- a guy who's a guy who's given the Bill Belichick fits in the past. Uh, the last few times these two teams have met uh, Cam Newton was pretty solid. <laughs> yeah, no. And even that. let's just go back to that game in 2017. <laughs> a lot of like their uh, success in that game came from misdirections and, and really utilizing the running backs in the passing game. Like I think Fozzie Whitaker, Whitaker, excuse me, had a touchdown yeah. reception and McCaffrey, he played really well that game. I think that was like one of the, I mean, he didn't really get many opportunities as a rookie, uh, but that was one of the games where he kind of really showed out and he did a lot of, um, yeah, there was just, like, he, he was used very cleverly and he provided a lot of deception for that, uh, defense and I understand the personnel has changed since then but I, I just feel like for this game it's, it's going to come down to just uh, play sequencing if that makes sense and just making sure like you're on rhythm and that you're running game maybe you're not going to be able to gain like the you know 10 to 15 yard chunks that they did last week but I mean if you keep your success rate running the ball which 
I don't know about you, but I think 40 to 45% is a pretty reasonable number of uh, success rate running the ball, um, which is kind of where they were last week. If you can do that and you can sequence in, you know, different run concepts and do play action off of that, you might give yourself uh, a chance, but besides that, it's going to be tough sledding for them. So like it, it, the way I see this game is going to be, and it's so funny we bring up the 2017 game because that was a, I remember it's it's a it was a big moment in like kind of this recent Patriots history um, because that was you know Stephon Gilmore was new uh, and they were having communication issues that game in the first the first month and it was to the point where you know they had lost in Detroit I believe as well um, I think the next week they, they barely them. beat Tampa on Thursday night remember. Yeah, yeah, in week five, yep, and they wore those horrendous all-white uniforms where the, the I remember exactly where I was. Oh I, my god! No, I remember I was at a bar here near my house, and I was, I was watching it because I think I had money on the Patriots, but it, it was just a very like frustrating game to watch. It's a gross, gross game. Yeah, but like they were having serious secondary communication issues with Stephon Gilmore, and the whole fan base was like, "This guy sucks. This guy is trash. Get him out of here." And then obviously, the, you know, the rest is kind of history from there. But like, uh, that's what Cam Newton kind of did for that, that that offense, like having to account and like having to play zone, which means you have to have your pass off rules. You have to be playing your match rules that we, you couldn't just be man up and, you know, have that, you know, take that, you know, that the, the thinking of it away from from a defender's perspective. And if anything, that's what PJ Walker can kind of bring to the table here you know it, they're it's the Patriots like I said are already playing more zone than they're used to anyway so it, I guess it probably negates it but you know um at least hey at least there's not Safan Gilmore going against your uh going against DJ Moore and uh now we have we have to worry about that side but um I I see the matchup issue of of Robbie Anderson and Jalen Mills uh, again it, it'll be zones so it'll be whoever you know is going against Jalen Mills but Jalen Mills needs to be the target uh, for for the Carolina offense, you need to try to find a, get find ways to get him in a conflict because uh, he will be over he he will bite on some double moves. He will be a little a little too aggressive um, and it's hurt them a couple times. He makes some big plays, big splash pay, plays, but he uh, he is a, an area where defense where offenses are looking to kind of attack this Patriots defense through the air. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, what was it? I, I... I mean, I saw like the condensed version of the game, but what was it about the Texans that kind of gave them issues? Uh, there was a, there was, I mean, one of was a really just a kind of a, a weird fluky. It was on third and three uh, Dave, Davis Mills rolls out. They have the play kind of snuffed out and Davis Mills chucks it deep. And it was kind of a, you know, just a fire drill, like a, a weird, mistimed jump by JC Jackson and then like a like a weird angle from Devin McCourty that led to like a 70 yard touchdown from a practice squad guy and then one was off uh, there's a deep ball off a flea flicker um but the rest of it was like they were converting third downs at like a really unusual pace and so people were like oh my god the the first drive was like a nine minute drive or something and Patriots fans like this is embarrassing I was like there's nothing embarrassing about forcing an offense to convert eight straight third downs like that's exactly what you're there for to you know make it tough and then they come out and they throw the crazy plays and then I was like okay that's embarrassing but it it was really it wasn't as bad like the stat line looked super nice for Davis Mills at the end of the game but like start after that flea flicker to start the third quarter which followed immediately followed a, a pick by mac jones 
the defense like turned it on and shut completely shut them down the rest of the way, like four or five straight series to end the game. And that's how they ended up winning it. So it's like the defense was bad, but then clamped down and gave them an opportunity to win. Well, yeah, I can, I can, again, Carolina is going to come down to the same thing. If they can generate some of these, not necessarily fluky plays, but um, I mean, you got to try like this approach of running the ball and trying to churn out like these eight, nine minute drives just gives your offense such a, uh, such a thin margin of error. And I think you guys are probably experiencing this too. It's, it's just like, even when you're in the red zone, red zone defense is, I mean, I don't care what your percentage is. You're not going to be like a 90 to 95% success rate in the red zone. You're going to have situations where you don't score. And yeah, if you're putting yourself in these positions where you're taking this approach of running the ball and wasting like 35 to 37 seconds off the play clock on each snap, you're just, it's making it very difficult for you to win. And, And I think your margins just became much smaller in that scenario. So you have to Carolina, they have to generate explosive plays and at least try to attempt to, um, you know, really push the ball down the field and how successful they are at that um, remains to be seen. They haven't been very good at it this year outside of a couple moments. Um, you, know, you mentioned the same thing with the Patriots offense and uh, what I would assume that they were, they would, they will try to do is uh, maybe not target Gilmore in coverage, but look at some of the other guys on uh, Carolina secondary who might pose better matchups for your offense, whether it's like uh, Bornard Myers on Dante Jackson. I mean, Jackson's played well, but um, you're just trying to give yourself like a better matchup essentially. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're, yeah. I, I do not want to see a single, like get, please give all the targets to whoever Keith Taylor is covering, but like, like not, or, or I mean, AJ boy, solid, but I mean, He's actually their nickel yeah, corner. Yeah. Uh, oh, uh, AJ? Yeah, Boye is their, like their primary nickel at this point. It's like a big nickel. It is. It is. Like, I mean, they are they do interchange, but for the most part, um, he's primarily their nickel. And sometimes you'll have like, you know, like a rotation in the box where he's kind of, you know, like the inverted cover two that a lot of people that you sometimes see where he's, yeah. you know, kind of going to the middle of the field and like Jeremy Chin is kind of covering the hook and flat area. So, I mean, there's obviously a lot of that goes into those coverages, but um, he's kind of like the primary slot guy that you see at before the snap. Is it kind of like a, uh, like a Jalen Ramsey type scenario where they want their guy, like they're one of their, like their better player making more plays. Honestly, like, I don't know about is, is AJ Bouye is AJ Bouye Jalen Ramsey is what I'm asking. I mean, no, <laughs> I mean, I mean, Gilmore did play there a few snaps, but that I think that was just because of where Kyle Pitts was lined up. Yeah. Um, like on the interception, like they were, they were aligned in the slot, but, but no, like I, I posted this clip. I think it was one of the first targets Pitts got where, um, you know, Dante Jackson's like the outside corner on the boundary and he inverts, uh, you know, to, one of the uh, two high safeties after the, after the snap and uh, Jackson takes that, uh, excuse me, Boye takes that hook curl area and he follows pits and they kind of do this little bracket coverage on him. Um, so that's sort of the thing is Jackson and Taylor, I haven't seen them play uh, inside at all. I mean, Taylor, maybe a couple snaps, but primarily those guys are lined up outside. Um, now 
I'm not sure what the data says. I'm just kind of going off of what I'm watching on the film and uh, in some of my notes here. So I think you're going to see maybe a little more diversity and just, and again, it depends. I don't even know what CJ Henderson status is. He only played like you know, 15 or so snaps last week. So uh, they can certainly mix and match. I thought conventional wisdom that Jackson might be a guy in the slot, but they're taking Boye in that, uh, in that role. Okay. See, I, I think what you guys will see this weekend, you'll see a ton of condensed sets from, from New England. I mean, and I, I think right. I, no, I expect that. Yeah. Yeah. You see a ton of condensed and there's going to be just a lot of, you know, a, a lot of like outside leverage corners, you know, being, corner stuff being played. But um, man, I am, uh, I mean, I that's, not that's what the Vikings are watching. I mean, if, if you're looking for, you know, an ounce of, optimism the vikings uh, i mean they did a lot of condensed uh, formation and they really gave this defense issues but again they were missing a few guys so yeah for sure and it's like it's what uh what is uh, coach vass on twitter always says you know if you uh, the the bad football happens outside and deep and so like the patriots you'll see a lot of these condensed sets trying to get you know working towards the outside boundaries and trying to open up the defense that way and if you try to keep the shell on them um with that cover two look, it's actually a pretty advantageous defense to play against them. We saw a lot of that, you know, uh, New Orleans runs a lot of too high stuff and a lot of like, they can run a little cover seven stuff here and there too. But um, yeah, I, until they get a little more speed on the offense, they're going to have a tough time um, making a team like, like uh, making a unit like Carolina's defense kind of respect them. Um, and so I am not excited to watch these, you know, sim pressures and, and uh, in, in these blitz packages from Phil Snow. Although I don't think you'll be able to get away with uh, with three straight blitzes against Mac Jones, you know, and get, getting home on like what two of them. <laughs> well, again, that was a very unique matchup against the Saints. <laughs> uh, they were missing a bunch of coaches, and their center was out. And I, I yeah. have a sense that if Eric McCoy, who, according to a lot of the Saints. Uh, people I follow that he's in charge of their protections. I know in new England, I think it's on the QB. Um, but yeah, no, I don't, I don't expect that at all. I think Phil snow is probably going to switch it up as far as, um, you know, blitzes. And I, I thought that Thompson's inclusion into their defense really helped uh, just from, like, I don't think people truly understand how important it is. Um, th- just like a guy who can line you up in the right formation and he has the green dot. Mm-hmm. He's, like just making sure like you're aligned properly and you know, everyone is on the same page. That, that just, that matters so much when you're playing defense, but he, he is probably Shaq Thompson is probably like my favorite. My, well, he's probably now my second favorite Panther ever. Really? Uh, I love Shaq Thompson. I don't know what it, like when he came out, I, I was just like, this dude, this dude can fly. I loved watching him kind of work in with Tom Davis and, and, and Luke Keekley as like the third, you know, the, the third guy. And then kind of like, yeah, obviously now he's like kind of taken over. He's the guy. Uh, but I don't know. Something about his game is like him guys like him and like Eric Kendricks and like the guys in this mold. I, I just love, I, I love Shaq Thompson. I don't know. Again, I don't know what it is. <laughs> Always been a huge, huge Shaq Thompson guy. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, he, the thing is like, he never gets like the, maybe it's because he's been overshadowed by Keekly at, at the same time. He's never gotten like the hype as a, as a Kendricks or a Warner uh, but he's certainly playing very well. I know the injury kind of set him back, but I mean, he was the best player in the field last week in Atlanta. 
Um, let's close yeah, he out here. on the tape and they, he, he jumps off the tape every time. It's like, oh, oh no, for sure. Eyes go like right to him. Uh, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Before we send you out here, I just want to get kind of your thoughts here on the um, on the special teams. I mean, uh, Gunnar Olszewski seems to be one of the better punt returners uh, in the NFL. Um, and, you know, Nick Folk has he's been a journeyman uh, in the NFL, but he's been pretty consistent. You know, I thought he was really good when he was with the Jets. Uh, and he seems to be carrying that over now with uh, the Patriots. And I know this is an area that uh, the Patriots certainly uh, take a lot of, they, they put a lot of emphasis on is their special teams. Um, what can you tell us here about the special team unit as a whole, like how they've been performing uh, maybe not necessarily like how the punter and kicker are, but uh, as far as their coverages in the return game. Yeah, I mean, well, hey, that's that's first team All Pro Gunnar Olszewski. Uh, I'll thank thank you very much, um, <laughs> which is crazy to me. Uh, absolutely crazy. Like technically, he has the most. In like last week, he had like three twenty yard returns. So it, it's been you know he's been very productive. Um, but like as a whole unit this year, it's been a down year. Um, they've had punt block. Uh, they've had some punt block issues. I think they've had two of them blocked now. Um, which is crazy, which is another reason, like, why are you punting to pin, like, to coffin corner Dak Prescott in overtime when, and you don't do, you don't pull it off. Like, you know, wh- what about your punt team has given you the confidence to, you know, to punt? Okay, neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> but oh, sure. it's all good. It, it, yeah, but, but they've, they've been fine. You know, the, the return game, they're always like super solid in, in the return game. You know, you got like Matt Slater and, and company. Uh, and Justin Bethel, um, who I believe, I don't know if he's hurt. I, I have to check the injury report this week, but, um, but Nick Folk's been a complete rock. Like the, the only kick he's missed this year has been the 56 yarder and the bit and the downpour against the, the Buccaneers um, off the post, but he's been just like absolute money, uh, which has been nice to see. And I, I see you guys have uh, had a recent resurgence in the kicking game here. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm surprised. I didn't think Zane Gonzalez was very good. And when we had Arif Hassan on, he kind of made fun of us because Zane Gonzalez was pretty <laughs> bad in the past. Um, but no, I'm yeah, I've I've and that's a thing with kickers, especially like veteran kickers. It's like maybe they don't work out at their first stop, but you just you bring them into a new environment, and for some reason, it's I mean they just find their their footing again, and so it takes like multiple tries for them to you know really find a home. But yeah, he's been super reliable, and the fact that he made a 57 yarder after at least with the coaching staff, they thought that his leg was not very great. I mean, that's what Matt Rule said. He's, he said he might not have the best leg in the world, but he's very accurate. But the fact that he made a 57-yarder and the dome was open too in Atlanta, um, I mean, that was super impressive. Yeah, I mean, that's a loss without him, right? Like w- w- without Zane Gonzalez last oh, week. Oh, I mean, yeah, last week I said it on yesterday's show that he, if it wasn't for the defense and Zane Gonzalez, they don't win that game. Yeah, he, he's been playing at a super high level. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, all pro, all pro punter Jake Bailey, uh, another first team all pro from last year, uh, hasn't hasn't been as solid, but he he'll he, he'll get things turned around. I mean, there's a lot of moving parts, obviously, but uh, so the special teams unit for for New England hasn't hasn't been as elite as normal, but you know, it's still you know, it's it's still an upper echelon unit and still something that they they feel like they can lean on. So. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, this is might be a game where the special teams unit are called upon uh, quite a bit, uh, depending on depending on how these drives go. But 
this this game kind of feels gross, right? I mean, it definitely feels like a game where you might want to have another TV close by just so you're watching, you know, one of the better. <laughs> have, have Red Zone on something on another screen. Yeah. Just so you if, can get, yeah. if you're doing Red Zone, if you want to watch, you know, one of the other games, just uh, I don't know. It, it definitely seems like a game that's not going to be a, a high sh- shootout. Or if it is, it's probably going to be geared towards one team. I, I mean, it's going to be a blowout um, or it's going to be a the the fact that it could be a close game uh, will probably scream that it'll be um, a low scoring game at that. So uh, I am just praying for Brian Burns versus Mike on when snaps. That's really all I care about. Yeah. I mean, the funny thing is Burns has been a little inconsistent this year. He hasn't been as good as he has in the past, but yeah, I mean, Reddick has been actually their guy that who's uh, <laughs> who, Reddick's been ridiculous. He's yeah, been like, it's crazy. I, I didn't, I didn't expect this at all, but yeah, no, it, it's gonna it's gonna be very fascinating. I think there's a lot of individual matchups that are gonna be very interesting to keep an eye on. But, um, but yeah, as a whole, this game. I mean, the Patriots are favored right now. I think it's it might it might even be off the board because books probably don't know McCaffrey or Darnold's status. I don't think the latter will change it much. But um, you know, when I looked at it on Sunday, it was like three and a half points to four points. New England was favored. So, um, okay. Yeah, interesting. very interesting. Yeah, I don't know. It it seems a little high for the road team. I thought it might be. I yeah. thought the Patriots would be favored, not not necessarily, but but that it much. It feels high. like a pick'em to me. It feels pretty pick'em-ish to me. Yeah, I thought maybe it would be minus two, minus one and a half, New England, because I mean they are coming off a pretty big win, but uh, playing back-to-back road games is it's always difficult for teams. I don't know what it is, um, but I mean it's not like they're. I mean it's not like they're going on a long flight like they did last week, but it's still going to be, um, you know, difficult just to, to be able to go from one. I mean, we saw it last week with the Bengals. Yeah. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 